Yes, episode number 118. I'm Greg Duncan. And I'm Martin Woodward. Hey, Martin. How you doing, sir? Sorry I couldn't make the last show. Sounded like a good one, though. Richard was good. <laughs> yeah, he was. It was great. Um, I, You know, I don't know. The last time we had a show together, it was Brexit Day. and Oh, man. The curse of the TFS, <laughs> of the Radio TFS predictions. <laughs> <laughs> I hereby predict Donald Trump will be your next president. Oh, don't oh, do that. Oh, no. No. If I predict that, then it won't happen, you see. So that's oh, that, the plan. That's true. That's true. So, yeah, no, it's absolutely <laughs> awful. But there we go. <laughs> it's absolutely terrible. I, I went to bed. Everything was good. And uh, we were, you know, I looked and it was like Gibraltar had voted 96% to stay in. And like some, like, there was some result back from Newcastle. And it wasn't quite as positive as a Remain vote as I thought, but it was still Remain. But everything was good with the world. I went, great. Everything's going to be good. Went to bed, woke up. And I was like, oh, what happened? <laughs> It's a sign I'm getting old when I wake up one morning and just don't understand the world anymore. I think, well, there we go. So, not to worry. So, I'm excited. We did, uh, you know, we everybody knows we interviewed Richard Fennell last week, last show, last week. This week, we're doing another uh, uh, interview show yeah. before I go on vacation. Yay, vacation. And we have Chris Patterson joining us. <laughs> Chris Patterson is a principal program manager working on Team Foundation Server. Over his career, he's worked for a number of different software tech companies on technologies ranging from classic ASP and VB through Java and .NET. Currently, he's working on bringing the build automation features of TFS to the cloud. Welcome to the show, Chris. Uh, hey, Greg. Hey, Martin. Uh, hey, welcome me. welcome back to the show. Yes, that's true. I probably do need to update that bio a little bit, um, considering that you know we've, we've been on this cloud journey for a long time, um, you know, like 103 sprints now. That's crazy. Uh, by the way. I remember having a conversation, I said this week, I remember having a conversation with uh, Jeff Beeler, like when we were on Sprint, I know. We, I can't remember what it was, but I was like, hey, should we reset the Sprint numbers occasionally? Because if people have got two-digit Sprint number things, that's going to really mess them up when we get to 100. <laughs> he was like, ah, don't worry about it. That'll never happen. And I was like, okay, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it did happen. It's yeah. definitely here. So I'm excited to be back, and hopefully we've got some new fun things to talk about, and, and um, look forward to sharing it with you. Cool. Sounds good. Should we do a quick uh, news recap? You can join in, Chris. Sure. Sounds good to me. So one I don't know a huge amount about, but I'll just kick off, Greg. Uh, okay. The TFSV images are now up in the Fair uh, sorry, uh, the Azure government um, system. So, uh, you know, there's a, a dedicated Azure instance for government organizations in the U.S. And mm -hmm. it seems like, you might know, Chris, but it seems like you can get, rather than using VSTS, which is obviously there's a, you know, they don't have a VSTS um <laughs> instance in fairfax or the azure government it's a it's on-prem tfs instance in azure government which was interesting to me so there yeah, you go that's correct yeah i mean it's um it's basically just the, the tfs vm images kind of like uh, the visual studio images that have been in the azure uh, uh virtual machine gallery for quite a while i think it's just going through all the certification and everything to make those available in the government cloud um yeah vsts uh in the government cloud is is obviously something else that's interesting. Um, you know, I'm sure it'll happen one day. I don't know exactly when. And, but to answer um, the type of customer they are, they're probably more interested in the like an, a dedicated instance makes a lot of sense <laughs> to those guys anyway. So yeah, probably on on some level. Though I do think that as long as it's in the government cloud, I actually think there's probably a lot of them that would be perfectly happy to be in VSTS. I mean, I don't know that on-prem dedicated instances is as big a deal as much as 
it's in the right place for the government. To That's use true. It. Having having upgrades done for free is awfully attractive. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. So, okay. I don't have anything else to say about that. Okay. Um, last show, we talked about the TFS 15 shipping and a post from uh, Reese talking about the, his experiences with uh, TFS 15. And he talked a little bit about a new feature that's available in, in 15 Preview 3. It's the support like built into the installer for installing to a pre-production environment. What he's done in this post, today's post, is he goes through very detailed steps on how do you back up your current instance? How do you restore it? How do you run this tool? I thought this was cool. And even if you're not necessarily running this tool, he talks about you have to be really, really careful if you're creating a clone of your TFS environment because you want to test an upgrade. He, he talks about that in detail here. So if you're thinking about that, if you're Peter, you know, I'm talking to you when we talked about uh, your email from last show. If you're thinking about doing a clone of your server, we'll have the links in the show notes for this post. Uh, it's pretty much kind of like a must read. If you're a TFS admin, yeah, read this post. Definitely. It's yeah. important things can get horribly confused if you don't do it quite right. And you, you end up talking to your, um, you, you think you're talking to your, de- your, your test instance and you're actually talking to your production right. one and it can get quite bad. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the, specifically on the area I work on, one of the fun things that customers have, have uh, run into is, you know, they've cloned their TFS and then they brought it up and then all of a sudden builds start on these build controllers that they have out there. And this was particularly a problem in 20 um, uh, for the 2010 controllers that actually had a bi-directional connection with TFS. So it would still, for some reason, think that it, it, it could, it had the appropriate, they were using the same service account or whatever, could talk to those controllers and those. So all of a sudden build would start from this test instance on their production uh, controllers. So you got to be a little bit careful as you nice, kind of go. That's slightly scary. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, so it, it doesn't happen so much anymore, but for the customers, the people that still have TFS 2010 controllers uh, stood up, it can be a, an issue. So speaking of detailed posts, uh, Clem, Clemens has a, a really detailed post that kind of does a walkthrough of setting up a um, a Git project um, all the way from, you know, create new project and create some code in version control, create a branch and set up a continuous deploy um, environment and then... <clears throat> have that actually, you know, doing continuous deploy on both uh, dev branch and um, master, and uh, and then use it. Then shows you how to use, you know, Git flow to to do a pull request to put your stuff into the dev branch and then promote from dev to master. So it was just a really good detailed post to, that walks through that, you know, step by step and shows you every little step along the way. So you're talking about detailed posts there, Greg. I thought that was a good one. <laughs> and speaking of Clemens, he's really. Speaking of Clemens, we also he's been blogging up a storm. He did a, a post the very next day um, talking about um, doing a build um, in uh, VSTS of a .NET Core application, and um, you know there's a couple of hoops he had to jump through there just to get the .NET Core, you know, the the 1.0 release um, mm-hmm. running on the build agent. I'm sure Chris, you'll be updating the build agents fairly soon with. Uh, <laughs> They've already been updated. Yeah. There we go. So some of those steps you won't need anymore. Um, but it talks about taking .NET Core app and then uh, doing a you know a .NET uh, restore, .NET build, and then a .NET publish to actually publish the .NET Core website out onto Azure. So uh, there's a, a good little post there. Again, very in depth. Yep. Yeah. One of the things that's been a bit of a struggle with .NET Core is uh, for CI is you know they've made a lot of changes. 
um, in the way the tooling works and everything as you go forward. And so um, things aren't quite as as integrated as I, I think people would like. But you know, in the end, the, the one thing I do love about .NET Core is it's super command line friendly. And and from my perspective, as like a, a build guy, like I'm going to write a script almost always. You know, having the tasks is are really nice, but you know, in the end, I, I kind of like to have a script, and so uh, that's kind of the route that Clemens went down, except for use the you know built-in command line task mm-hmm. to run a script. Um, eventually, as the tooling settles down, and you know, they they get from to actually more integration with MS Build and a little bit away from the Project JSON stuff that was going on. Um, you know, some of these steps will be a little more integrated and a little bit less manual. Yeah. So the the command lines are now fairly stable, uh, even though we're still in um, beta for those, for the tooling side. But yeah, the project JSON, you know, to MS build change is still in progress. Hopefully that'll be done before the end of the year. I think. Yep. All right. So Tim Smith posted something that I don't see a lot of. He uh, writes on MSSQLTips.com and it's troubleshooting TFS SQL Server slowdowns. Nice. This would be something that Grant Holiday used to be a master of. But, uh, right. Yeah, I haven't seen much about this lately. Yeah, so he's you know he's giving you the um, what reports to look at, a series of different steps, <laughs> documenting how you're using TFS, obtain obtain what's happening in your TFS, look for statistics over indexes, optimizing the data log growth, run check DB, rebuild the indexes, considering what else is running on that server. So it's a nice series of steps. If if you're that uh, um, accidental TFS admin again. This will be a nice post, and the link will be in the show notes. Very cool. So uh, there's a couple of um, uh, releases that have come out that's worth talking about. So um, first of all, uh, again, my old team, the um, <laughs> the team services plugin for IntelliJ, um, so and also Android Studio. That's really that's reached 1.0 now, which is very 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 cool. So um, yeah, you can now get the official um, IntelliJ integration, which is something's been asked for for you know at least 10 years. So w- well done to the team. That's great to see that hit 1.0. Congratulations. Pass pass that along, Chris. <laughs> and then, um, <clears throat> excuse me, we've also um, got the team services extensions for Visual Studio Code. That's been updated to support uh, TFS 2015 update 2 and, and later. So um, put there's a link. Jeff Young did a link in the, um, the Visual Studio ALM blog post. So we'll put a link in the show notes to that as well. All great stuff. Guess it's time for ALM Rangers. Now, listeners, again, like last show, we asked for a jingle, a something to introduce our ALM Rangers. Those. Yeah, that's disgraceful. And we haven't had anything. Yeah, I'm so... I'm going to sing it to you until somebody does it. <laughs> oh, God. ALM Rangers. <laughs> that doesn't encourage somebody to do it too. <laughs> oh, you're killing me. Yeah, heart attack. <laughs> um, we got two posts from the ALM Rangers. One, what they, he's... Uh, Willie P talks about the list of features and resolved issues of latest tools and extensions. And you know you can get these releases at aka.msvsarrelease.com which could be a song on, in and of itself. Talks about just a couple of things. Work item visualization extension has been updated and the migrate access, assets from release management server to VSTS 1.0 has been released. And you have to actually go through and look at all these tools. We've talked about these before, but the list of extensions, the guidance, the tooling, the community stuff. Uh, yeah, uh, just go there. Just just do it. Don't Don't complain. Pause the show. Go go look at that stuff. Also released was the release management workflow migrator v1. We've talked about it a number of times on the show. The release management has been changed, uh, going to the, from the XAML release management to the web 
release management. The thing is, is, you know, the XAML stuff doesn't necessarily, you know, migrate. Now you don't want to recreate the whole thing. And this tool will help you. It's not a hundred percent. The, the driving goal of the tool wasn't to provide a zero effort, one button migration, but to give you guys, um, that have invested a ton of effort in designing these complex agent based release templates to start getting these over to the new release management. And, you know, this tool is free, hard to beat free. I think that's it for the news. What do you think, Martin? You got anything else? No, sounds good. Let's chat to Chris. Okay. About time, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Chris, um, you know, I'm going to ask you some of the, 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 the usual things I ask our guests, pretty much because I'm nosy and I just like to hear what, what they say and I like to live vicariously through them. Um, what's some of like the coolest thing, either with VSTS, in development, outside of work, whatever, what's like the coolest thing, thing or things you've done? Oh, man, I'm trying to think. My life these days consists of, I mean, I've got three kids, and so we're always busy doing something with them. And if it's not that, I'm largely at work. And um, I'm trying to think. I think the neatest technology I've been playing with lately is Docker. Um, I, I find it pretty fascinating. I've been digging into it a bunch recently for some planning work we're doing. Um, and uh, And it's pretty cool. I mean, the idea of... The idea of taking an entire operating system along with an application and running it basically like an executable um, is, is pretty cool. So that's that's been a lot of fun. I'm, I get it's all the rage and there's a lot of hype right now. It's been a lot of fun to really work with and kind of dig in uh, some more. Um, so, so that's probably been the neatest piece of technology I've played with. Um, and it sounds, I mean, it sounds like it would be very well suited into the build space, but I'm guessing there are issues there as well. Yeah, there are. Um, it is it is incredibly well suited for build, which is which is why we're looking at it. And certainly, there's lots of services and things out there that do containerized builds. Um, one of the challenges for us specifically has been, you know, the Docker world is basically Linux focused, and most of the customers I deal with on a, a daily basis are on the you know the Windows um, and Microsoft SDK stack. So it hasn't you know quite fit as well as it could. Uh, of course, that's changing. You know, Windows containers are coming. Uh, and we have more and more people even using VSTS who are on um, other stacks. Um, mm-hmm. I had a customer the other day um, who was who was who's actually was had a couple of issues because they had set up our build agent in Docker and they had a they had a whole Docker um, system using uh, the Azure Container Service and the Marathon uh, DC, or DCOS orchestrator to like spin up and down and dynamically scale up and down Docker containers with the build wow. agent. Wow. And then was was running them. And then he had actually take, used our extensibility model. This is where it got really cool, or cool and scary. <laughs> but he had taken used the, the extensibility model that TeamBuild has, and he wrote himself a custom task, which was basically Docker process. And so what he was doing is he was basically, for every sort of script or step in his build, he was running them in their own Docker container. Oh, um, um, using but 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 mapping the host drive into that container so they all had access to the sources and things like that. Huh. Um, so that was pretty fascinating just to kind of see some ingenuity from people and it was fun for me um, to see somebody take this this platform that I've been you know spending the last couple of years designing and building with my team here and kind of do a lot on their own and sort of you know build out this whole scenario. Uh, so we're kind of working on seeing what we can do to put that together into some documentation, white paper about how you might do that. Of course, you know, as containers 
are becoming more important, um, we're looking to incorporate those kinds of features into the, you know, into the product itself. So mm-hmm. that was a lot of fun. It's always great when you see people do like stuff you just never even, you know, ever time you were designing it, never even dreamed of, of, of people doing. And it, the fact that they can actually do it, you think, yep, we did something good because it, it's working for them, even if it wasn't what we designed it for. Exactly. Yeah. So that was really neat. That was that's probably one of the more fun things I've I've seen, uh, you know, just from other people recently. And the build space has got to be full of that, you know, because people people build these rude Goldbergian things around build processes and stuff and just put everything together and do amazing things in builds, you know. Yeah, they certainly do. Yeah, I I had another person who was um, they're using build to generate their other builds. So basically, They had a process set up where they basically had one repository that had kind of this metadata description that they had put together. And then they were using the template feature that we have in the product. And basically, as they were bringing on new repositories, they would just check in some of the basically the metadata, like the variable replacements and some other stuff into this repo. And that would kick off a build that would then generate the build definitions for, you know, this new branch or whatever. Oh, wow. Which was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, so there's all, all kinds of crazy stuff people do with build and, and in this space because developers, you know, in the end, in the end, build is actually not the right name for the product. Um, you know, we kind of kept calling it build because that's what the, whoever put it in TFS in 2005 called it. You know, really, it, it, it's really more, you know, VSTS and TFS just have, hey, this is, you know, kind of developer or DevOps automation to use the the new trendy term. But just it's just developer automation. It's I need something to either go do something for me based on the fact I committed code or on some schedule, right? Mm-hmm. Or on the fact that some other process ran, so I want this to, to happen. So, But it, it's always a lot of fun. It definitely it definitely is neat. And, and, of course, the Rube Goldberg nature of what people do um, kind of brings in this other interesting aspect of how do we build a system that lets you do that that doesn't necessarily overwhelm us from a kind of supporting it perspective because – you know, the more strange things people do, the more things kind of fail or don't quite work like you expect. And so that drives some some other sort of feedback and changes back into the team. Well, and you need to also make sure that you can, you know, they're good when they get upgraded as well. And, and all those. Yes. Things. Yes. That's another tough one. So. so going totally off script, Chris, what is the craziest or, or the most awesome build that you've seen? Apart from or Brian, the use build of, bunny, build. of course. Yeah. Find the build bunny was pretty impressive. Um, I definitely think that was pretty pretty amazing. Um, what is the most awesome one I've seen? Huh. It's people who fire up like whole VM environments, and I know that we've got like infrastructure for that now. Yeah, well, that always it, used to amaze me. Yeah, people do actually. Even though we have some infrastructure for that, um, the actually the the universe uh, is it the universe the the team that builds the universal store in Windows 10 they use Team Build. Just yeah. as an example. And they have a whole thing that they've set up that spins up and down VM environments for running all of these tests um, that they run on the Universal Store. Because they have thousands and thousands of these functional tests that they run. So they need to actually spin up client OSs. And so what they have is basically they have a build that runs. And this is this is an example, another example of this generator kind of thing. They actually have a build that runs. It takes a bunch of information and then kicks off like 1,100 builds <laughs> run on these. So, so the first build runs, and then it like resets their whole environment, and then it kicks off 1,100 builds that then go run various tests on those environments. In parallel, or in parallel, yes. Oh my, wow. Um, in that, and that's been an example where you know, as we've been doing with the 
in VSTS, you know, one of the big pushes here at Microsoft is, you know, more and more and more of the internal teams are, you know, using VSTS and moving that way. And some of the, you know, kind of old internal engineering systems are going away or at least being merged into VSTS. And this is, that's an example where the workflow they were doing to do that exposed a bug uh, in our system that we had. You didn't, you didn't know that somebody would kick off 1100 parallel builds? (laughs) We didn't. And there's a fancy not designing for that, Chris. That's disgraceful. Yes, I know. It's terrible. Um, And it actually did work. Like it worked out. It just, it, from their perspective, it felt like the system was hung for about three minutes while we, kind of queued up all those builds. Uh-huh. But we went and found a query plan problem and some other things and we're working through it and we've got it a little bit better now. But but it, you know, it's another scale point that we need to work look at and see if we can um, you know, kicking off eleven hundred simultaneous builds to a pool that's got, you know, eleven hundred or more agents in it. So yeah. So hey, the last time we spoke, we talked about I think it was the build agent stuff we talked about. So uh yeah, what's going on with the build agent and what what's new in build agent land? Yeah, so um the when we released to team build um in twenty with with uh TFS twenty fifteen, uh, a couple of years ago now. Actually is it two, well, I guess TFS twenty fifteen was a year ago. We officially put team build out in the public uh like a year and a half ago, maybe, like May of twenty fifteen, something like that. You know, we one of the design goals was to have a build system that could work on multiple platforms. And to achieve that, we had up leveled a lot of the orchestration to the server and then created a new plugin model that's based around running JavaScript primarily or PowerShell if you want, but really primarily JavaScript and um, executing that on remote agents. And initially we had two agents. We had one built on the full desktop.net framework. Um, and one built with no, with JavaScript with Node.js. And that worked okay um, because initially our thought was, well, you know, these plugins, the agents will be pretty simple. So most of it's delivered via plugins. If we do the plugins in a common way, it'll work out. Um, but as it turned out, you know, maintaining both of those code bases and keeping them feature for feature, you know, parity uh, going forward became difficult. And there were some features that, you know, a little difficult from Node.js, like NTLM and, and things like that. So, you know, when our customers were using the Node.js agent against their on-prem server, you know, they had to enable basic and they didn't really like that. Um, so we kind of took a step back and said, hey, what do we what do we need to do going forward to have a really great multi-platform story for build? Um, and about the time we were evaluating that is roughly when um, we talked about open sourcing.net and the, the .NET core. Um, Effort and so you know as the you know per primary owner I guess for build and just setting these directions you know I, I took a look at it and you know my Devly and I talked about it we we kind of took a bet to say hey you know .NET Core we 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 as uh, the TFS team have a huge number of .NET based assets right I mean TFS is 100% written and managed code very nearly 100% written and managed code um, it would be great to be able to continue to take advantage of those assets as well as the skill set that a lot of our developers have and but still run on multiple platforms so and, and then addition um, if we we knew that the only way that a given um, new code base is actually going to work well on multi-platform especially you know here is if people are actually using it so we wanted to take a bet on .NET core as both as a Hey, we can reuse a lot of the assets we have, as well as, you know, as part of Microsoft, you know, we felt like it was the right thing to do for us to take a bet on our multi-platform product working with .NET Core. 
So over the past... In my new role, certainly glad you picked .NET Core over Node, so yay. <laughs> so over the last, uh, starting in about January, um, we, we really in earnest started writing the new agent in .NET Core, and it's been an interesting journey uh, for sure. Um, and just this past week, uh, we if you go to our GitHub, and we oh, the other thing we did is we did it completely open source. So it's on GitHub, you know, github.com slash Microsoft slash VSTS agent. All the code is there. That's where the developers work every day. That's where we manage the issues. So just last week, we released, I think, the 2.103.1 release, which is kind of the first production um, non-preview release of the agent. Um, and at, over the next couple of uh, weeks, you will see this roll out across all of the uh, VSTS scale units to become the default agent you download and install. Uh, so that's kind of a big milestone that just happened here recently. And you know, as we've been going through this, we found we we found a ton of uh, issues that we that needed to be addressed. And so I feel like you know both we learned a lot about .NET Core and we found some actual bugs in the framework uh, that we worked with the team with Stephen Taub and you know other other people on the the .NET team to get fixed. So we had that same aspect of we now have a single code base that has full feature parity across all platforms, uh, all platforms we support. Um, and actually has some cool new features that people have been asking for. And we were able to drive out some issues, um, some inconsistencies in behavior between the full framework and .NET Core, as well as some things that weren't supported in the way we thought they should be in .NET Core uh, to make it actually a better product, you know, just as being part of Microsoft. So, you know, all in all, I think it was a, it was a great effort, and, and I'm pretty excited we landed where we did. So apart from the technical, like the technical back end, you know, it running on top of Core, What's what's is there anything in there, you know, from a customer point of view in terms of new features? So there's a couple of new features. Um, one, which which kind of feels like technical back end, but it's also important for customers, is we have a consistent authentication model between the agent for on-prem and for VSTS. Oh, very cool. So one of the things that's been a little challenging for customers is even in just the plain Windows world, people have environments where they have domains where they want to have build machines and domains that don't necessarily trust the TFS domain for example. And of course, they now have build agents on machines, Linux machines and Mac machines that aren't a member of the domain at all. So to solve this, we, instead of using the domain credentials to connect the agent or to, to connect the agent to TFS, we actually built a you know, asymmetric, basically public-private key model, which is really pretty similar to the way SSH and other public-private key models work, where whenever you register an agent, we generate a you know, a, a encryption key on that machine that, you know, is, is for that machine and exchange it with the server um, and then use that to communicate from the agent to the server. Um, so that way, regardless of your cross domain or on non-Windows platforms, you can, your agent can talk to the server um, and not have to save credentials and it's not running as a particular domain user. So um, it's just more flexible. And that helps as well if you're firing up VMs, I guess, yes. that run as agents and we want to assist prep machines and things like that. Exactly. Yeah. So that works out really well. So I, I actually think that's a pretty big feature. The other mm. thing that we got as part of .NET Core is when I'm on Linux or Mac, I can use my domain credentials to register the agent. Mm -hmm. So we don't use them to connect, but we will use them to that initial sort of elevated exchange of the keys. And that's all done from the command line, is it? All done from the command line. Yep. Nice. From the command line. Uh, so that was that was a pretty big deal. Um, the other one, um, the other one that we did, which is is helps customers, is we implemented something new that in the agent, uh, basically recursive variable expansion. So in 
in your build definition, you can, you know, we have the syntax that you can basically do macro replacement. You can create variables on the definition that you replace into the process. Um, and one of the things, limitations we had early on is a variable, a given variable value could not contain references to other variables. Well, as we we're going through rewriting this agent, we wish we hadn't implemented that. So from a customer perspective, when you move to the new agent from the old one, you can now have variables that have values that are made up of references to other variables. So you get this recursive expansion thing. So you could have like a build number that was made yep. up of a major and a minor, or well, that's probably a bad example because build number is already in, but you know what I mean? You could have something like that. Something like that. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So that was pretty cool. Um, is there anything else? Um, oh, we have full auto update across all platforms now. Whee! So, nice. so you know, previously the node agent didn't auto update itself, but now we have the one agent and node uh, on Linux, on Mac, on Windows, they all auto update. Very, um, very, very cool. Now, auto update's been interesting for us with this case because we were trying to figure out how do we handle that? Because, you know, in Windows, we can say, well, the .NET framework's going to be there, so it'll just work. But obviously, it's not necessarily the case on Mac and Linux. So we actually went with a route, and I'm curious to see how this is going to work in the long term, but we'll figure it out, of a of the self-contained .NET Core app, where we actually create a package that is is both uh, the application as well as the entire CLR. And that, that's, we suppose, yeah, that was one of the goals of .NET Core was to enable exactly those those things. Yep. And so we've done that. And we and as such, though, we build for um, uh, six different platforms right now. Mm-hmm. So we have a, basically we have a Windows 7 X64 targeted using the, the new, what are those called, Martin? Do you remember the runtime, runtime IDs, right? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So we have a Windows 7 X64 runtime ID targeted agent. We have an Ubuntu... 1404 and a Ubuntu 1604 64-bit runtime ID targeted agent. Um, a Red Hat uh, 7 yep. runtime ID targeted agent and a OSX.11 um, runtime ID targeted agent. Um, and all those are available on the on our you know on, on VSTS and of course on GitHub you know where we we publish all of our releases. Um, so we'll see how many, how far we can get with that model. Um, as the number of platforms expands, it gets harder and harder to kind of build and, and set up all those. So actually working with the .NET team over time and kind of figuring out the right model for this is going to be interesting. Um, but, but I think we're all pretty cool. I'm, I'm very excited about it uh, going forward. And so you, uh, a build definition, it sounds like then it, all the build definitions, you know, the new build definitions will just work with this new build yes. agent. Yes, uh, it very, is. Very, very cool. It's completely compatible with all of the existing things. Anything you built in Team Build since starting with 2015, it's completely compatible. It's compatible with all the plugins and everything. We didn't change that. Um, it's you know, compatible our, with the plugins as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's completely awesome. compatible with the plugins. Yep. So the one of the decisions we made very early on when we redid Team Build um, was our plugin model. We chose to base it. Uh, we actually have two, right? You can just based on. Um, Node.js or PowerShell. And our, our preferred model is Node because it works everywhere. But there's some people that want to use PowerShell because, you know, they want to take advantage of some existing .NET utility or whatever they have. Um, so, but, but, and they all run out of process, right? Basically, the way the agent works is it gets the build job message from the server. It kicks up what we call the worker, which is its own process, but then goes through and runs the job um, and runs the job which then executes all of the tasks, um, which are executed also out of process. So it lets us have this really nice separation uh, for everything that's going on uh, within the build. And it, it also gave us a nice compatibility layer because our contract 
with the task is really environment variables, basically. Yeah. Uh, so it makes it makes it much easier to do that. Cool. Cool. Very cool. That sounds good. And and so that's getting enabled on on VSTS hosted build agents. So that's going to be the default build agent, is it? Is that what you're saying? Um, yes, that is correct. That is being currently enabled. Um, so uh, there's a couple of phases going on. Um, so right now on what we call SU0, which is um, kind of the inner ring scale unit, mm-hmm. Uh, that is the default agent. It's also the default agent in the hosted VMs we offer. Um, so that's that's basically for so that's like Microsoft internal customers, kind of is what we we can think of some, as that. Yeah, and that and some and MD. some of us, mm-hmm. yeah, some of you guys. Um, and then over the next few weeks, you know, as things are looking in there, we'll push that out to the other rings. Um, oh. So I would expect probably within the next four weeks or so, it'll be the complete default everywhere. Nice. Um, so it's pretty cool. I mean, I encourage you. It is fully supported. If you, I mean, if you go to your account, you should see it as a download option. It's listed as preview right now, I think, uh, in most accounts. But you know, over time, it'll become the only option, and you can certainly download it, set it up, and it all works. And please give us feedback. What I really would love feedback for is anybody using VSTS with TFVC instead of Git with the new agent, because yeah. we all use Git now here, and so the amount of mileage I get with with TFVC, which is kind of dog fooding. Um, is much lower than it used to be. So I'm always looking for customers kind of willing to take that plunge and give us some feedback on TFBC. And you can hit me up on Twitter if you have any questions, uh, which I think will be in the show notes. Yeah. So I'm looking at your GitHub uh, re- repo right now, VSTS-agent, and uh, <laughs> the updates are, are pretty interesting. I mean, there was a uh, merge yesterday. Yep. Uh, you know, and two days ago, and it's that's pretty darn accurate. Well, you know, people, we work in the, we work in the open. <laughs> Yeah, it's very active. All the developers are there. We've had a few. Uh, I can't remember if we had any pull requests. I can't remember if we've had any external pull requests on this repo yet. Um, but um, you know, there's a team of people here. So um, to, the way things are structured uh, with with all of the sort of DevOps automation stuff, you know, we talked about um, build. You know, the other thing that's actually built on the exact same framework, agent and plugins, is release management. Mm-hmm. Right. So this same agent is used for both build and release management. So all of the features that we work on, uh, some are developed by my team here in North Carolina and some are developed by my partner teams in India who, who own all the release management stuff. Um, so you'll see check ins from all of us um, in that repo. That's very, very, very cool. Once this is public, public, we should, as well as, you know, the SALM blog post and stuff, we should blog about it on the .NET team blog as well, because it's, it's a cool example of the of cross-platform, you know, .NET. So. Sure, I'd love to, yeah. be great. Awesome. Hey, we're, we're a bit over time. It's been a good, this has been very interesting, though. Anything yeah. you wanted to ask, Greg? Um, well, first, I wanted to apologize, Chris. I can't believe we had you on just a year ago. July 2015, episode number exactly 94, yeah. and I totally spaced on that. Uh, brain cramp, senior moment, I don't know what it was, but uh, so I have to apologize. It's good to have him on at least once a year. We should make it a bit more often. Though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, there is one thing. I, w- I wanted to make sure we got this in there. Is there a part of TFS or VSTS that you think is like a diamond in the rough it's underutilized people don't know about it is there some secret thing that you just can't believe people don't use oh man um so i'm gonna be a little selfish i actually do think it's the build and release stuff i i was uh a couple of weeks ago we were doing some user studies and we had in about 12 or 14 professional developers a bunch of which were using TFS. I mean, some were, they were using a lot of them were using older versions of TFS. 
and only about half of them had regular builds. Had it's, like it's CI cra- builds. It's crazy, isn't it? But it's true. It's, it's amazing. Unbelievable. I'm like, 2016. Like, I mean, I <laughs> I get they may not have continual deploy continuous deployment and some of those things, but like literally, you you check in and it at least tries to compile it. You know, maybe you don't have unit tests, maybe you don't have continuous deployment, but I mean, like you check in at least tries to compile it. You know. And I think what people don't realize is how easy it is to do. If you have a solution file, you can have a build automation that will tell you when you break your build at least. At least. And, and that, the, 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 I mean, it was so long ago that we started in it, but the improvement you get in productivity just by having, just by telling, shouting at somebody when they check something in that breaks, that's just an amazing jump. Uh, you know, and, and being having that confidence that you can come in the morning, do a get latest, and we'll start work, and things be working is just huge. So do that. Yes, I agree. Oh, I forgot to mention one more thing. So the other thing that's coming, I spent all the time on the agent and TFS twenty fifteen <laughs> is there's a massive overhaul of all the build user experience. Huh. Um, it's faster, it's more modern. I think it's more productive. Nino, I don't know if you guys know Nino Loje. Yeah. Yep. He actually had nice things to say about it, which was kind of <laughs> wow, amazing. Like I got above, two, the, above the fact that it was called VSTS, of course. Yes. I actually got two emails in a row from Nino yesterday that were positive. Wow. It's like some kind of record. You know, you're saying right there. You'll be getting Adam <laughs> Kogan telling you you're doing a good job next. <laughs> I haven't seen anything from Adam yet. But also, over the next few weeks, all people will see that rolling out across their, their VSTS accounts. Um, awesome. Looking forward to it. Yep. So uh, you should be able to see it. If you go to the dev dev or MSN account, Martin, you can see it. Yeah, we'll do. Very cool. All right. Well, I think that's a show. Anything else? Any final thoughts, Chris? Um, so, I mean, I just encourage people, hey, try out VSTS. If you're not, even you know, if you have TFS on-prem, VSTS is a great way to keep abreast of the things that will be coming in future updates. If you're not, you know, if you have a CI system or you're using, if you feel like you're stuck with the old XAML build system, I would encourage you to migrate to the newer one and try it out. I think it's it, has a lot of advantages, um, you know, certainly. Can people use this new build agent against, what What version of TFS can people use the new build agent against? Uh, so for non-Windows platforms, um, we support it back to TFS uh, 2015 update three. Nice. Um, for Windows platforms, it'll be with TFS 2016. Yeah, yeah. But you can, you can take the .NET Core cross-platform build agent for Linux and have it pointing at your old on-prem TFS. You know, your existing, not old, sorry, your existing up-to-date TFS instance. That's correct, yes. Very cool. So um, there's a few limitations, um, but you have to run it. it, It's no, the limitations are no different than they were with the node agent, but you get a bunch of new features and a a bunch of other um, advantages. You got to turn on basic and some other things, but. How uh, do you get that? build agent to then update here's a a good question for you so if i wanted to if i wanted to then roll out an update to the build agents how would i make that happen so um so you have to manually against the older servers yeah Um, you can do that um and then when you upgrade when you upgrade from uh update three to tfs 2016 they'll automatically update nice so that's magic (laughs) sometimes yeah let's just hope it works (laughs) <laughs> Very right. cool. so that's what people should do people should if they've got any cross-platform build agents they should get them upgraded now ahead of when they're going to upgrade their tfs and when the new tfs comes out magic will happen and all their build agents will just magically work yep exactly sweet well gentlemen i think that's a show you guys out there listening 
we want your feedback. There's no feedback this show. Nothing, nothing well, to share. You me, guys, Greg, come on. Uh, well, I know, and 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 um, yeah, Angela. When I tweeted her that we uh, invoked her last show, she's all like, "What? Really? You didn't?" It's like, "Yeah, we did. Of course, it's not a radio TFS if we don't talk about Angela." Yeah. But uh, <laughs> um, no other feedback, really, from you guys. Um, how do you send us feedback? Send it to us at RadioTFS at Outlook.com or if for whatever reason that's not working, RadioTFS at gmail.com. Twitter, at RadioTFS. We're on Facebook, slash RadioTFS, or voicemail. Remember, like I say in every show, I'm sure you guys are tired of hearing about it. If this is safe for work, you leave us a voicemail, we're going to play it on the show. So this is the way you guys can kind of be like a pseudo guest host. Send us a voicemail or uh, send us a voicemail. Call in 1-425-233-8379. And again, Chris, thank you very much for being on. Uh, thank you for not making fun of me, saying that you were just on last year. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, this stuff is sounds, <laughs> frankly, pretty darn cool. Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, honestly, I'd forgotten exactly when I was on. I just went <laughs> before. So I- good. Good. Well, I'm glad I wasn't the only one. Uh, Martin remembered, but <laughs> all right. And again, everybody, thank you for listening to Radio TFS. Radio TFS.